The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop at Exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the Super Truck Showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there, don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80, the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80. It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley. As we begin a Tuesday, Gary with a question. To remove the Speaker of the House, are you supposed to pull the fire alarm? Well, that question was actually, well, not that question, but a mm. question like that, or relating to that, was mm. asked to Corrine Jean-Pierre yesterday. Would President Biden ever try to get out of a meeting by pulling a fire alarm? <laughs> are you talking about something specifically? Uh, like she didn't know. Uh, I, I, what? I, I don't like, know. Like what, she what, didn't you know. Yeah. Talking about, well, huh? Hmm? Huh? I mean, it's a stupid question. It but, is, but it is. Yeah, it's a snarky question. Doesn't even. I, that's not the question you ask. But when you have an opportunity, because uh, it doesn't go anywhere. Well, but it's you're basically only telling a joke. Yeah, it's really not a question. Yeah. <laughs> Next time we see Joe Biden, I was I was pulling fire alarms. You know. Back in the 40s, as I left the Senate. What? He's going to be br- I pulled more fire alarms than anyone, Jack. Nobody pulled more fire alarms than me. The one, the, Serious. The, the, the one I liked is Kareem Jean-Pierre, you know, uh, talking about the Americans with Disability Act and mm-hmm. how they're celebrating it today and just ignored the reporter who pointed out uh, that there's no seat for a disabled journalist in the press room. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, my God. <laughs> that was my favorite. Are you really celebrating? Because it doesn't seem, seem like, like it. it. Yeah. It's... <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> and, are, are, are their moms just handing them a Pop-Tart and then getting them out the door in the morning? These people that work... <laughs> work on capitol hill it seems like we're dealing with three-year-olds because yeah. if you think about it that would that would be such a junior high move man we got a big test today i know you know you know what we could do <laughs> we could pull the fire alarm man you can't do that I, i'm pretty sure that's against the law no it's not no we might go to the office it's not against the law well who's gonna pull it i don't know 
Let's flip for it. <laughs> I mean, it's no, that. It, it is childish. <laughs> what am I going to do? I'm going to pull a fire alarm. Right. Oh, and the view today. Oh, I got to see if I can find some audio from the view. Uh, I, originally, this wasn't you know part of the serious discussion, but it really does. I'm so glad you brought it up because the context of how you brought it up was like, these people are children. They're, they are. They really are children. children. I'm going to pull a fire alarm because I don't want to vote. Right. <laughs> I mean, you're a child. And then calls Republicans Nazis for bringing it up. Right. When we we know what Nazis are. Nazis are what the Canadian Parliament gives standing ovations right. to. Exactly. We know that. Right. Did any Republican get a... Has any Republican got a standing ovation from the Canadian Parliament? Not that I know of. Not, not that I know of. Right. <laughs> and then and then the, the tide turning on the border thing. So now you have Hochul and <clears throat> Bill Clinton. And, and, and you've got uh, uh, Pritzker now. Mm-hmm. Adams going to Mexico. Pritzker in... in why are you going to Mexico? Exactly. What, go, are, you, what are you going to you do? Don't, you don't need to go that far south. Biden is in D.C. Is is Biden vacationing in Mexico? <laughs> we need to go check and see. No, I mean it's uh, it's the left is losing their mind over the broken border. I know. You know, Bill Clinton. We need to fix it. I, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> we're seriously the government needs to tell us yes or no are the aliens here because i think they are now occupying the liberals bodies governor hokel listen we know we got that whole statue thing but we don't really mean it that was then this is now <laughs> i mean it's just crazy when you look around at at who has the ability to govern right now on the left tell me one person who has the ability to govern on the left well i think some have the ability to govern bad well that's not government <laughs> Mis- you I mean say misgoverning you, <laughs> misgoverning we know well you know it's the whole list you know what governing is Uh if you're a governor of you know one of the the most liberal states Mm -hmm. and and unfortunately one of your senators passes away Mm -hmm. and so you get to appoint the next senator Mm -hmm. so you say "Mm, of all the 40 million residents of california to hell with you. I'm going to go find somebody who's a resident of Maryland right. to become the next California senator. Because now, it, that's governing. Because it fits our agenda better. <laughs> in order to represent the people of California properly, we'll find somebody in Maryland. I mean, it's it really is. It, it's, it's honestly. Remember when I said back in the day, I used to say it's like a gymnasium filled with a, a thousand, thousand kids yeah. all screaming at the same time. Mm-hmm. Well, now those same kids, it's 10,000 kids in the gym, all trying to take control. 
all trying to do something, all trying to govern in some way, and one of them just pulled the fire alarm. So this after pulling a fire alarm in a congressional office building, Representative Jamel Bowman landed himself in more hot water on Monday when he referred to his Republican colleagues as Nazis in an internal memo for attempting to expel him from Congress. Bowman, a member of the group of House progressives known as the Squad. Well, yeah, it's the Squad, not the Fire Squad. Yeah. All right? So you don't get to pull fire alarms. Right. I mean, this is so, seriously, this is so junior high. (laughs) I started thinking when you mentioned that these basic school kids, you know, not wanting to take the test. I thought about uh, you know, my my brother. The worst, one of the worst things he did. Mm. He was in junior high school and he was like flunking. Mm-hmm. So, so you know how the teachers back then had the grade books. Yeah, he went to like three of the courses. The teachers just left the grade book right there, and they did it in pencil. And he went in and like <laughs> all his tests and put a a a a a and erased everything, and they were completely confused. He just went in and with an eraser erased it all. A, 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 A. And he got like all A's and they were completely confused. I, I don't know. I didn't think they really weren't sure what was going on. It was, we, we really don't know about, we really don't know. I mean, I, I don't think that you really, I don't remember you doing this well on the test, but, but it's there in the grade book. Yeah. <laughs> it must be true. It's written it's in, in pencil. But, but, and but, nobody could change anything written in pencil. And then, then when I got to to sh- to, to show you, and I, I always because I always have fun, you know, just uh, teasing my <laughs> teasing my brother, who's as honest as you could possibly find now as as an adult. Yeah, beyond <laughs> the age of eighteen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we uh, we always laugh because he skipped classes in high school all the time, and the truant officer guy, Mister Cruz, was his name. Mm. And I didn't skip classes. Mm -hmm. My brother did. Right. And so uh, I got called to his office one time and he said, well, we reported that you were not in the 20-minute study hall before lunch yesterday. We had a 20-minute study hall. Right. And I said, I was there. And he said, well, they don't have you marked down. I said, well, I've got witnesses, you know, the kids that were there. I was there. I, I didn't skip. And he said, are you John's brother? And I said, yes. And he said, guilty as charged. (laughs) (laughs) So I was guilty adjacent. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Guilty by association. And my brother still, we still tell this, I still tell the story today. When my brother's there and everybody just bursts out laughing. It's like, you know, you don't know how hard it was. I had to follow my brother. And then my sister says, then I had to follow you two, and it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about well, that. Well, you know, I was so convinced that the truant officer actually was a, a an entire force at the police station, so it was like a SWAT team, <laughs> that I, I was so afraid to skip. I was afraid they would show up at the door, you know, with their PA system, come out of the house, bring your books with you. I just never skipped. One One time, my mom picked me up. I was running a high fever. So I'm at the house. She goes to the store to get me some something, some kind of medication. And I'm laying there on the couch. And a gentleman comes to the door, and he's dressed in a suit and tie. And I'm thinking, chewing officer, I'm going to prison. This is how it begins and ends. And I'm like, well, 
I'm pretty sure he knows somebody is home. The TV's on. So I grabbed the, the little paper that the school gave my mom. You know, she came to sign me out. There was this little slip of paper. So I just grabbed it. It's all I knew, all I, you know, thought to do. It's, I, I thought it's all I have. So I go to the door, and the guy goes, is your mom or dad home? I said, no, no, but I have this. He goes, well, what's that? And I said, it's the, my note from school. He goes, huh. And he actually looked at it, and he goes, okay, well, tell him I'll come back later. Said, oh, my gosh. And he gives me his card. It's an insurance salesman. He wasn't even a truant officer. <laughs> I don't even know why he looked at my note. <laughs> That's a great story. I'm like, what just happened? Can the insurance guy take you to prison? I, I just I, I was I was thinking that till my mom got home. I just never because my dad was a military police officer. I was always afraid that I would have five or six cops show up at the door because I skipped class. Yeah, I would if I was uh, you know a kid today. I I would hate the modern technology we have where your parents get an email on everything that's happening. Oh, that started or, years ago. We would get messages. text messages. Yeah. Uh, that they were, if if the bell rang and then 10 minutes later, if they still weren't in class, we would get a text message. Uh, we would make, like, if they would send mail and, and we would get to the mailbox first. My, my, yeah. I think my parents went to maybe one open house through mm-hmm. all of high school. They never knew what it was. Mm-hmm. And if we'd be driving near the high school, they'd have the big sign, open house. Yeah. And we'd... we'd we knew it was there, and we, hey, let's go down this road. I want yeah. to see this over here. My parents would take right. We would do anything to get out of my parents going to open house. Mm. If my parents ever went to every open house, my high school life would have been, and junior high life would have been an absolute hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Because it's one thing of, you know, getting a call. It's one thing constantly monitoring what you're doing day by day. Oh, my gosh. I would get, you know, I would get, um, you know, because my two oldest played sports and often they would get a note to go and work out with the coach or whatever it is. And so they weren't in one class, you know, for a little while they, they were over in the, you know, gym or whatever with the coach. And, but it would just say they missed this class and I would get a, a text message or an email or both. And I was like, ready to go. All right. What happened today? <laughs> I got the spotlight. I'm doing the full interrogation. Here you go, Dad. Well, the 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 only thing is, uh, they and we were children. Yeah, that's our point. These are exactly. members of Congress, right? And you know the excuses they were trying to make on the view. Well, you know he really didn't know. I mean, it's very and it's very tough. I mean, people, you know, they're in a hurry and they may not know what the purpose of it. And I'm thinking to myself. What is this? And I went right back to Phil Hartman. Mm-hmm. Is this caveman congressperson? Yeah. I'm not familiar with your fancy, right. technologically driven fire alarms. Right. I'm not sure when it says, don't pull this unless it's an emergency. Right. Well, I can't open the door, and I wish to go out this emergency door instead of another door. That explains why every time he goes to lock his car, his alarm goes off. <laughs> Sitting there hurt, hitting the emergency button all day long. Yeah, just like, it's like, come on. The fact of the matter is, is that he did this to be disruptive. Yep. Everybody knows it. Yep. You're a child. 
By the way, that's the best thing you can come up with. <laughs> that's the best thing you can come up with to be disruptive to be disruptive <laughs> pulling the fire alarm because you're thinking oh there are no cameras around here <laughs> what kind of moron are you it's not whether or not if you're a moron it's what kind of moron are you well, if they could hide the coke in the white house i certainly can pull the fire alarm they must not have a camera on this exactly Eight six six ninety red eye This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. With advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. As the seasons change, so does truck maintenance. Cold weather can affect everything from your batteries and air brake system to tire inflation and fuel lines. Here's a maintenance tip to help make sure your rig is ready when winter comes knocking. When temperatures fall, the paraffin wax in diesel fuel can thicken so much it clogs fuel filters or solidifies to the point where it will no longer flow. Invest in a new fuel filter now and consider adding a winter fuel additive to your maintenance routine to help prevent fuel gelling. To learn more about winterizing your truck, find a professional technician today and ask about their fuel additives and fuel filters. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed, bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. All right, here's Bowman yesterday, Representative Bowman. Uh, do you still stand by your statement that uh, You know, I don't know why this has gotten so much attention. I was literally just in a rush to go vote, man. That's all it was. Mm-hmm. Are you afraid of any repercussions, either from leadership or from legally from Capitol Police? I, I mean, listen, I take responsibility for what I did, you know, but like I said, I was in a rush to go vote, and, uh, you know, the investigation will, will, will sort everything else out. Uh, have you talked to Jeffries about it? Oh, yeah, of course. That's day one. Yes. How was that conversation? Well, I got to keep that between me and the leader, so. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I, I really want, don't want to talk about it. You know, uh, you know, the investigation is going to show what the investigation is going to show. And uh, yeah. <laughs> so now his excuse is he pulled it on purpose uh-huh. in order to be able to go and vote. He was in a hurry. To so go he did it vote. deliberately. So he uh-huh. he knows how it works. Uh-huh. He's not confused uh-huh. by it. He yeah. did it deliberately. Uh huh. I thought it would help me vote faster. Yeah. It's... I mean, we're dealing with children. Yeah. There's no way around it. There's no other way to describe it. These are incompetent children. You know, if you want to on the floor, you want to, you know, do whatever you're going to do and protest. You know, with all the hoopla and the everything else, go for it. Pulling the fire alarm? Did you get a note from your mom to say that was okay? Because you were trying to make it to class. You're just a child. Yeah. You're a child. I know. You don't have the mindset and the wherewithal to be in that position. Let me me ask you a question because I've I've always wondered about this because I remember when, and and, uh, this week, uh, 34 years ago is when I started talk radio. Didn't want to do it. (laughs) Uh, The uh, late uh, Susan Myers uh, ordered me to do it. She owned the station, said you have to do it. Plus, she knew some secrets about you. Oh, well, she she did, but uh, I don't don't know if she would (laughs) let them out. Uh, but I remember thinking at that time, you know, I'd look at politicians and say, wow, I mean, I'm asking these people questions. I mean, these are adults. Now that I'm 34 years later, I look and I, have they always been this childish? Are we, have we always elected children or is this something new? <laughs> yeah. On your smart speaker, say, play Red Eye Radio. And, if you're really nice, she might. Red Eye Radio. And I'm Gary McNamara, along with Eric Harley. We want to welcome a new sponsor, Extended Optimum Used Truck Coverage. Drivers, your used truck is your money. Any downtime can cost you big time. Extended Optimum is an entirely new manufacturer-based protection plan for used Freightliner and Western Star trucks without a current warranty or extended coverage. You need to check this out. You can do it at ExtendedOptimum.com. ExtendedOptimum.com. A uh, couple of things uh, here. At the, uh, the, the, uh, the Trump uh, civil fraud trial going on. You know, one of the things you and I have uh, asked is on on some of these uh, cases here, I haven't seen enough legal analysis, mm. you know, and, and I did yesterday, uh, first off, starting with the, the, uh, the, the New York sun. And this is really important stuff because they may find, uh, they may, the judge may find Trump guilty. Will it be overturned? Mm. I actually looked at part of the civil law and I went, that's gotta be unconstitutional. 
when you look at it. It basically says nobody has to be harmed. Right. You don't have to do it in a contract. All you have to do is create some falsehoods. Whether they affect anybody or not really doesn't matter. Right. Whether they affect anybody in a negative way doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. If you just state something is false, civilly you can be prosecuted for it. Mm. I believe that's hogwash. And and so uh, and when you get to, uh, for example, uh, this is from the the New York Sun. The ruling of the New York judge that President Trump defrauded banks and insurance companies by inflating the value of his real estate assets is based uh, in at least one prominent case on the judge's elementary misunderstanding of basic real estate law, according to industry insiders who have spoken to the New York Sun. The director of the School of Real Estate at Florida International University tells the son that the metric used by the judge is not a good way to value the property and is not the right approach. He adds that real estate professionals don't even look at county appraisal data, Mm. which the judge relied on in rendering a summary judgment. Uh, He adds that any real estate professional would say that market value and county appraisal are not even the same thing. And that it's not the job of the county appraiser to assess value. If it was, we wouldn't need Zillow. County officials like the one in Palm Beach County, the judge uh, cites, merely perform drive-by appraisals that are used to assess taxes, not the total value of the property. The president of the Palm Beach uh, Board of Realtors, John Pickett, tells his son that in pricing a property, he very rarely looks at the county appraisal and that the county's estimate is rarely a component factor in how much he reckons a property is worth. He adds that the county appraisal can be outdated or skewed or otherwise uh, remote from the pulse of the market. One real estate attorney tells his son, I would not use nor have I seen a bank use the county market valuation in obtaining a mortgage. Uh, the uh, professor agrees, explaining that the appraisal value is dis- is detached from the true value of the property. The Sun has reported on widespread, uh, 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 wi- widespread that Mar-a-Lago could be valued, as the judge suggests, at between eighteen million and twenty seven point six million. Well, they they with widespread uh, incredulity is what they said. Though one broker called it a ridiculous appraisal the unnerving possibility that a jurist's process could have been that flawed underscores how the victory he had in New York could have been short could could have short-circuited the clarification and corrections a trial on the uh, valuations would have allowed the possible error that they are pointing to suggests not just the value that the judge assigned to Mar-a-Lago was wrong but that he used the wrong metric altogether one that no real estate agent in the know would use to assess a property's value market. And they go through it, you know, saying that, you know, Trump asserted that his property was between 426 million to 612 million. Well, they talked to one person who said, uh, let me just see here. Where is it that, uh, that said, he goes, the property, here it is. One real estate broker, uh, Lee Allen Schultz told the son that with respect to Mar-a-Lago, just the land value alone, I think we get close to 500 million with that just alone, even without the property. Mm-hmm. And so the thing is, I mean, they're taking figures 
this whole thing, when I read what the civil law is, I'm like, that's ridiculous. Because it says only if it affects somebody and it doesn't mean negatively. Because you think about it, nobody ever complained. Right. Nobody. Nobody's complaining of damage. Right. There's no damage anybody is, is claiming. No one. No. Uh, all all debts were paid. Mm-hmm. All contracts were, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as was pointed out, a listener pointed out, not only did was there nobody who was damaged, but even the state of New York, if they believe that all this was able to happen, which increased the money flow to Trump in New York, that everybody, even the state of New York, benefited from it because Trump paid more in taxes. Right. Yeah. I mean... And so even if he used valuations, the fact that what they're saying is even if he used the valuations, even if those figures were not used in deciding a contract, just using those alone is fraud. And it's not! Well, then you could uh, let's review all of those people who were contesting their their property values with the central appraisal district. Because what are you saying? What you're saying is you did it to, to benefit, to gain favor. In this case, to gain favor from the insurance and banks. And you were trying to earn a better rate. You were trying to earn a better deal. Well, then what would be the difference of a small, you know, player, uh, an individual going to battle and saying, my home is isn't worth that and you shouldn't be taxing it at that value. If they say that and a judge says, well, that's false. It's one thing if you deliberately and blatantly lie about it and say, Well, there's no structure on my property. There's only land. And, of course, there is a house. That would be fraud. But if you go in and challenge the Central Appraisal District and you say something that is different than what they come come up with and you lose the battle, that's not fraud. But according to this judge, you could apply it here, according to this law. But it seems this is the thing that I was wondering. How come there was an outrage at the beginning? How come it took so long to get to this point where analysis has been done uh, on this from the real estate community? Well, they look at where they where they look at this and just say, well, wait a minute. What the judge is doing, obviously, what the judge is doing is absolutely flawed. Yeah. By by using these figures and saying that that the county assessed, uh, you know, uh, assessed value is the real value of the home mm-hmm. when they look at it and go there's not even a correlation uh you know behind it it doesn't right. even it doesn't affect anything and it wouldn't affect any kind of deal because anybody would do their own appraisal right any bank would do their own appraisal of a property any any entity that is going to engage in the risk whether it's insurance or banking is going to do their own appraisal they're going to do do their own due diligence and if they don't that's their own poor business practice and that's on them. That's not breaking the law. Now, the the part where he said uh, his townhouse was uh, thirty three thousand mm-hmm. square feet and ten thousand. I don't know what document that that was put on. Right. Nobody has put right. that into context. Right. right. 
whether that was just, okay, this is the portion that I live in. This is a portion I did work, whether it was the apportionment of it mm-hmm. and and whether it was used. But even if that was used as a deduction on taxes, which nobody is making that case. As far as we know, the IRS isn't making that case. No, the IRS is not making the case. But even if he did, they would just not take the deduction. Right. He's audited every year. So, yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, it, it's just, you, well, you it, look it reeks, at it, you just. You it sh- reeks of overreach and trying to basically demonstrate to people uh, and and the public. I, I don't even know that, that the DA here, uh, the state attorney general, rather, uh, or the judge, I don't think they necessarily need a win. They just need this to drag out in order to demonstrate to people, see, he's really not that wealthy. When, by the way, even that mode can backfire on you. That's exactly what we're seeing with Mar-a-Lago. We're seeing real estate pros come in and say, the land itself is worth $500 million. Right. Now you look at the improvements, the buildings, the structures. Are you kidding me? You ever seen a um, a house go up for sale that's been owned by a celebrity? Oh, yeah. They buy it for a million and a half and then five years later sell it for seven million. Some of that is true appreciation. Some of it is built on the fact that a famous person lived in this house for several years. Is that applying a false value? Not if I step up and pay seven and a half million for it. It's not. Yeah, it's just really you. You look at it and you're just like, I, I, I shake my head. And one of the things that was brought up is if they're going to do this to Trump, who's going to want to do business in New York? Right. No, I mean this is. All out war. If you're going to start a business and you're going to become big and you become a forget about even running for office. If we find out you're a big political donor, we're going to come after you. This is their new tactic. We said it a long time ago. When they started throwing this, the raid on Mar-a-Lago changed everything. It set the new tone. This is who we are and we're not going to apologize for it. And the current attorney general steps up for an interview a few days ago and says, oh, no, no, no. We don't favor one side or the other. That's the same attorney general who stepped up days after the raid on Mar-a-Lago and said, that was all me. That was my decision. I pulled that trigger. This is this is their only political tactic because they can't stop their opponents on the facts. They can't debate on the issues. We'll weaponize every office at every turn. And it's not going to stop. I think it was I think it was Andrew McCarthy who uh wrote something on it that I'm trying to find here. Mm. And he, and he writes, this isn't a judicial proceeding. It's a partisan farce. 
Yeah. And by the way, when yeah. you look and and I look at you know Andrew McCarthy, I've agreed with him at times. I've disagreed with him at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he is somebody that I never have viewed that he he m- judges the law by partisanship. No, I I, I I've yeah. never gotten that from him. Here it is. The law doesn't require a showing of harm. The state need not prove the defendant even intended to defraud anyone, much less actually defrauded someone. Right. It need not be established that any creditor or financial institution even relied on the defendant's misrepresentations. You and I asked the, at the beginning, yep. where's the intent? Yep. Where's the intent? Well, you don't need right. intent. That, that those misrepresentations were material or that anyone was actually fooled by them. The state just has to show that a defendant made false claims with enough persistence and repetition that there are at least two persons affected, uh, which, whatever it means, is not a synonym for harmed. So if you were affected in a good way by it, whoever these two people would be, that I look at that law and I'm just like, that cannot be constitutional. No. No. No, it can't. And I, I, that's, we went over the whole thing based on the Ernst and Young case and case law that they were citing. Mm-hmm. And this entire thing, the judge is, this is such an overreach. Now they because say, any, now, now there, he's saying there's some whoppers in here that, that Trump had. Okay. You know, there's some whoppers, the, uh, the, uh, the square footage part of it, okay, which really elevated, you know, that he goes. Sure, there are whoppers in there. Then demonstrate right. where exactly he so, broke the law, and that's what that's what's missing right now. Why wouldn't we see that first? He committed fraud by falsely saying this on an application for a loan or whatever it may be, and he broke this law accordingly. Said, but uh, this was for political consumption. And let's, the burning, let's take a break uh, and we'll come back okay. here in just a bit. All right, eight six six ninety red eye. Lines open for your calls. Eight six six ninety red eye on Red Eye Radio. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, 86690-RED-EYE. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Uh, yeah, we were uh, just uh, uh, talking about the 
trial going on in uh, New York, the Trump civil trial yeah. on, uh, on, on fraud. And uh, we were uh, talking about how Andrew McCarthy uh, was explaining it yesterday. He said the law doesn't require a showing of harm. The state need not prove the defendant even intended to defraud anyone, much less actually defrauded someone. It need not be established that any creditor or financial institution even relied on the defendant's misrepresentations, that those misrepresentations were material, or that anyone was actually fooled by them. The state just has to show that a defendant made false claims with enough persistence and repetition that at least two persons were affected, which, whatever it means, is not a synonym for being harmed. And it says the... uh, The state thus has used Trump's financial records to establish that he significantly overstated the value of his assets in statements of financial condition, uh, SFCs are called, that are customarily required in various business uh, 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 dealings. Characteristic of Trump, many of these embellishments are shameless. The fib that his 11,000-square-foot Trump Tower uh, uh, was actually, or triplex was actually, 30,000 square feet and valued at 327 million at a time when the record sales for a comparable dwelling in Manhattan was 88 million. Such whoppers are strewn through his FSEs, patently intended to project him as a multi-billionaire who became one of the world's richest men through unparalleled business savvy. And never you mind the inherited wealth and all those bankruptcies. That's this is from um, uh, Andrew McCarthy, but this was for political consumption and the burnishing of celebrity in the league of sophisticated financial actors in which Trump plays, where corporate departments are dedicated, say this again here, where corporate departments are dedicated to valuation analysis because that's the bread and butter of finance. Nobody took this nonsense seriously. Indeed, Trump even included a, quote, worthless clause, end of quote, in his uh, financial statements, which in so many words warned that they were apt to be, you know, somewhat less than perfectly accurate. He actually put it in there. Many of the financial institutions that did business with Trump did so for years and knew exactly the cat they were dealing with. They made loans and indemnified Trump because they knew, based on their own expertise and experience with him, that he was quite wealthy, even if not as wealthy as he claimed, and that he would pay up, which he did reliably. That's why even elected Democrat prosecutors would not charge him with criminal fraud, there being no victims. And then goes in the fact that, but this is a civil suit, and with this law, you don't have to show that any harm was done. Right. Well, as far as I'm concerned, that should be unconstitutional in the law, whether civil or criminal. Criminal cases are to, you know, find out who committed a crime and punish those who are responsible. You put them Mm -hmm. away in jail. You do Mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. Civil courts are... To compensate victims. Right. That's why civil courts exist, to compensate victims. Mm -hmm. 
And if you're going, if you're going down this route, this is the route of a banana republic, where you go after your political opposition at will, where you go after your political opposition because they did something that you might view as morally wrong, but there were no victims at all in it, and you can't get hit, you can't get them on criminal fraud. So you just go on misstatements that don't rise to the level of criminal fraud, but still to a place where there were absolutely no victims. Government should not be in the business of prosecuting victimless crimes. If if uh, if Chase Bank were suing him and saying we were damaged because of, and then they lined it out. We could have a conversation, but this is the attorney general of New York state who from day one said she was going to go after Donald Trump. They've all wanted to do it. They're all trying to be the same hero. And this is politically driven and nothing else. Remember when I think it was Forbes, it was 2016 and they were saying, okay, Trump is saying he's worth 10 billion. Our estimate is somewhere between three and four billion. Right. And they broke some things down. And then everyone, you know, the liberal media, see, he's not worth as much. He's not worth as much. That's part of what's still going on here. But even further, they want to take his property, possibly. The judge, by the way, last week when they returned to court the next morning, they asked the judge, Trump's lawyers, well, does this mean he's not going to be able to live in Trump town? Are you taking this or is it going to be managed by somebody independent? Is it going to, what does this mean? And the judge said, well, I haven't decided that yet. Well, you're trying to dissolve his businesses in the state of New York. And you haven't thoroughly thought it out yet as to what all that would include? And one of your basis, uh, you know, because he was talking about the fact that because the media was reporting the judge's valuation of $18 million for yeah. Mar-a-Lago. Right. And he's like, well, that's not mine. That's not mine. That's not mine. But when you see that absolute flaw mm-hmm. in the argument that real estate people are making. Right that the county assessment is not the value of the property. Never has been. And never has been. You can't go to a bank and say, you could say, you could look at, at county assessment and go, okay, I, I I might have a ballpark. I'm talking the individual level. When it comes to something like Mar-a-Lago and the location of Mar-a-Lago especially, you talk about that part of Florida, his neighborhood. There are, are houses uh, around there that are likely worth, and I mean much smaller properties, that are likely worth 15, 16, maybe $18 million, because that's what they're claiming. That he's claiming $500 million, it's only worth $18 million. You're smoking weed if you're going by any other assessment than what a bank, if someone's going to put teeth in the game, appraiser would do. That kind of appraisal... I don't. I don't know how long that would take. That might take days. Well, as as the real estate person said, I mean the the fact that the judge, you know, saying eighteen million. The judge, I'm not saying eighteen million. 
It's like, yeah, but you're what are you saying? But, but you're using that figure to come to your decision, right? That fraud was committed, and that number you're using is the wrong number to be using. But again, this is this is the thing that you get into because how could you be a judge and make this kind of mistake? I wouldn't make that kind of mistake. No, no. I would understand. I'm not a judge, right? And I would understand that the assessed valuation, when you look at Marlaga where it's located, and say that's just 18 million. Now, I might not be like that one real estate agent that said the land alone is 500 million. Mm-hmm. But it's getting into this game of judging fraud through different appraisals. Now, if it was done in a contract, if the contract said these numbers must be accurate and relating to something specifically, we wish to see the appraisal of it, and you forged, you know, and and you faked that you got an appraisal. That's fraud. That that would be criminal fraud at that particular point. Right. But these are just general financial, you know, statements. This is what I'm worth. Okay, we're going to check it all out. Right. And then they wish to destroy his entire business and liquidate, dissolve his business. Because of that, government should not be involved in prosecuting civil or criminal uh, or or, uh, uh, criminal charges where you can't find any victim, where there's no victim. Because when we talk about doing business with uh, banks and insurance companies, and and they're they're responsible, by the way, for doing their own due diligence. Everybody on the planet knows about his six bankruptcies. Every he wrote about it in one or two of his books. I think he's he wrote there was a part of his book where he saw a homeless guy and he he was in debt for nine hundred million. And he said, that homeless guy is worth $900 million more than I am because I owe $900 million. And so he was doing the reverse math. It hit him. And we've it's, I don't know, it's been talked about for years. In fact, it was one of the reasons that many people said, I don't know, he is a businessman, but he's had a lot of bankruptcies. I remember having the discussion on the show and, Somewhere in 2016, probably the summer mm-hmm. of 2016, I remember mm-hmm. that conversation coming up. And going back to 2011, remember 2011 when he was flirting with with uh, with with actually yeah. running for in 2012. He actually got the um, the trademark on "Make America Great Again" the day after the 2012 election, um, and he was, you know, everybody was saying, "Okay," and we were talking about him then, saying, "Okay, well, if he's going to jump in." You know, it's part of the the vetting process, what everybody does, voters and everybody else, all of us in the media. We sit and, okay, hash it out. Who is the guy? Look, this guy has been famous for decades because of his business dealings. I mean, I know the TV show. I know the appearance in uh, Home Alone 2. We we know all of those big big moments, but honestly, none of that came about without his business dealings, and and also that includes when you sit down to do business with any Trump business, if you're a bank or an insurance company, you are taking into consideration his very public bankruptcies, several of them, and you're saying we have to assess the risk here because. 
We don't know if this if these businesses were mismanaged, mm-hmm. what were the market conditions and everything else. We they're assessing risk. That's what they do. Banks and insurance companies especially, and that's what's being charged here that he did this to get uh favored terms from these banks from banks and insurance that companies. he never got. That he never got. And there's never no got. record of it and no claim officially of it. Right. I'll say it again whether on the criminal level or the civil level, government should not be prosecuting, uh, bringing charges where you can't find any victim and no victim has even come forward. And I know somebody's going to say, well, what if somebody kills somebody, uh, but they bury the body, you never find the victim. Well, there's still a victim. Mm -hmm. There's still a victim and the evidence, the evidence leads, you know, to the, you know, whether it's, uh, combination of circumstantial and forensic, you know, you may never find the body, but you know there's a victim. Right. They're gone. Right. But here, there's no even claim from anybody that I'm a victim. Right. And even if he did benefit, which there's no evidence being brought forward that he benefited from the fraud, uh, but even if he did, everyone benefited, including the state of New York, because they got more taxes. Right. So even the state of New York that's bringing the charges through the AG, if she claims he sought to do it to get you know, better treatment, which means make more money, everybody benefited. Nobody's a victim. Not even the state of New York that's bringing it forth. Right. Government should not be involved in victimless crimes. This because is the- this, is, this is where you get, this is exactly what you get. You get one opposition party and their prosecutors going after the opposition candidate for politics. This is the weaponization of every department they can find. And they'll go after anybody. If if you are a threat to us, we'll come after you and we'll tear you down and take everything you own. By the way, if I was worth $3 billion, I wouldn't be saying I was worth ten. I'd be saying I'm... I'm worth nothing. I don't have anything. <laughs> exactly. I'd be driving my old truck. <laughs> yeah. I, me? No. No, I'm not. No. Nah, I got I, nothing. I don't have anything. <laughs> I don't want my kids to find out. <laughs> <laughs> he brought his kids into the business, which is uh, uh, fine. But, you know, if I had $3 billion, I'd shh, everybody quiet. Yeah. I don't have $3 billion. No, no, don't tell It's anybody. a rumor. 866-90-RED-EYE. Brought to you by FPPF, Fuel Power Max. Surviving and thriving as an owner-operator has just as much to do with managing costs as it does with generating revenue. Like the chief financial officer of any company, you have to be concerned about rising costs, especially without increases in revenue. Trying to reduce costs, let alone make sense of them, can be a complicated task. Understanding basic principles of operating costs can save you thousands of dollars a year. A penny saved could be $1,000 earned. Saving just one penny per mile over 100,000 miles driven annually will deliver $1,000 to the bottom line at the end of the year. Brought to you by Shell Rotella. With advanced synthetic technology is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE.
It's Red Eye Radio. He's our Carly and I'm Gary McNamara. Let's go to John in Binghamton, New York, about the civil trial of Trump. Uh, hi, John. You're on Red Eye Radio. Welcome. Hey, how you doing? Very good. Uh, great show tonight. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, I wanted to mention, I was a city councilman in upstate New York in the early 2000s for eight years, and I've worked on hundreds and hundreds of reassessment cases. And I'll tell you the truth. Assessment has nothing to do with value. Absolutely nothing. Assessment is only a mechanism for a generation of property taxes. You could cut somebody's assessment in half and double the taxes per thousand. It comes out the same. Comes out the same, yeah. Right. And, and I'm wondering if this law has changed very similar because I live in New York and I'm friends with a couple of assembly members, so I know a little bit more than most. Like the civil suit from the lady in the department store, that law was changed specifically to go after Trump. I'm wondering if this is a similar thing. Well, I don't know, but I, I guarantee you in appeals, they're going to find out a lot. I, I don't I, I just wonder how far this gets. And, and thank you, John, for sharing the information. I, I don't know where it goes in, in terms of, uh, you know, what this judge is going to try and do, what the, uh, you know, attorney general of the state of New York is, is going to try. She's out for. Uh, to what she's asking for is 250 million and and also his business license. And the judge has already ordered uh, on parts of this lawsuit uh, has already ordered the dissolution of his businesses and isn't sure what all that includes yet. The following day, he said. So it's it's hard to know, but I think it appeals. There's a decent chance. I don't know what's going to happen, but there's a decent chance that this thing, this whole thing is thrown out. Because this is, I don't see how it stands, uh, how it, it stands up to the Constitution. I just don't. This is unconstitutional. It's clearly a political move. There is. You yeah, I, I, w- I would like somebody to make the argument of why it is constitutional. Am I missing something right. here? Yeah, right. I mean, exactly. Seriously, am I missing? But to sit there and say we need to be prosecuting and with the ultimate business death penalty fraud where right. there's no victim. Right. That that doesn't rise to criminal fraud, right? But we're calling it civil fraud, and civil mm-hmm. fraud can be there are absolutely no victims, right? There's nobody that is owed anything. Well, it, then how can you how can you come up with a figure in a civil suit for damages when there are no damages to be paid because nobody was harmed, right? I yeah, I don't get it. America Studios. And he's Eric Carly, and I'm Gary McNamara. And thanks for, uh, for the last caller who actually, you know, uh, has has dealt with assessments. But I go back to what I said last week. And that's when I, the, the last time that I protested my taxes. And I remember looking at it going, okay, I've got three or four comps that I believe show and i'm just i'm i'm just going to make up numbers here 
mm-hmm. that that show that uh, my house should be three hundred thousand. They've right. got it at four hundred and twenty thousand. Mm-hmm. I'm making up these numbers, by the way. And but and but I can I can get comps to show you it should be three hundred. Now I knew that the value of what I could probably sell my home for was three hundred and sixty. Right. All right. It was somewhere in between, and I knew that probably that would have been the, also you know roughly the assessment. Mm-hmm. You know roughly, and who knows? I didn't know. Don't know. I didn't sell it, so I didn't know. But I was figuring, okay, the, the the assessment probably should be somewhere in between. But I can prove through the comps that it's three hundred. Yeah. So I went in with that. I lost two to one. Mm-hmm. And I went, oh, you mean can't we do it in between? No, it's one or the other. Right. Well, yeah. neither was accurate as to what the actual value of the house was. It was. It's an assessment for taxes. Yeah, it's a flawed process. Yeah. Yeah, it should allow for that. Okay, you've proven something, but you didn't prove it to the point that we believe in terms of valuation. But it demonstrates that we overvalued, and so we agree to come up with a new assessment of something. They would somewhere in between. They won't do that. Wouldn't do that. No, and and uh, I was amazed. You know when when because the first assessor there were three of them. She Mm -hmm. said. Well, I go along with you, three hundred. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh boy, this is going to be great. Mm-hmm. And then I got destroyed from the next two. <laughs> yeah, but I remember one of the things because I talked about it last week. One of them said uh, they uh, they said, "Well, you live in a smaller home, so the square footage is higher." Now, I know that's true. I you know, and I know that that's uh, that that can be true. But that it to can me, be. It's not necessarily true. Right. But the, yeah. To me, that wasn't a justifiable answer. Right. Now, right. my pool, yes. The fact that I have a pool and the uh, and I don't know what other I can't remember what what the other comps had. But I also had the open. You know, I don't have any property behind me. There's, mm-hmm. you know, the there's the people behind me are a thousand feet. And there's a you know great. You know, looks like a you know, it's a pond. It's a mm-hmm. little pond lake, mm-hmm. and and so, but that's worth. They actually assess a value to that, and they had a specific value of that. And so, I was trying to protest that too. <laughs> you know, so yeah, I was right. protesting everything, but I came up with a figure that I knew was low, mm-hmm. but I thought I could prove it based on the system that they set up, mm-hmm. even though I knew it wasn't true. Am I committing fraud? No, but but why but under the but under the law in New York, would exactly. I? Why wouldn't a prosecutor with the same right. mentality or a state attorney general not want to go after you if they find out? You know, uh, even if you're not running for office, uh, you're a huge donor to the opposition or whatever it might be. I'm or a, we just don't like you. I'm an incredibly popular and studly looking talk show host. Okay. I think the I might have added you should something. Probably in, pull the fire alarm. Yeah, I, I think I added something <laughs> in that might not have to do with my financial yeah. situation. <laughs> well, I will say this, but no, you look at the you look at what's going on here, and there is we don't have to have a victim 
We don't have to have intent. How in the the world can you prosecute based on that? How can you or how can you take civil action based on that? And again, we're talking about the attorney general. We're not talking of the state of New York. We're not talking about any company or entity that's claiming damage here. And this is one of those cases where because nobody has covered this from the constitutional aspect. Mm. I haven't seen any analysis on this. Have you? No, no, none on this no. particular law no. that says no, no victims. Nobody's been harmed. Right. We can't prove anybody's been harmed. Right. Uh, there is no in in that there's no intent that we can show that, you know, to prove harm because we know these organizations do their own evaluations. So this might have been ego or whatever. Mm hmm. But the fact is, it didn't have anything to do with the substance of any financial transactions because they do their own. It doesn't matter what you say. You know, sort of like when I came up with my figure from my house. You know, Mm -hmm. now I use comps and I had my own formula Mm -hmm. based on what I thought was their formula, but I knew it wasn't correct. Right. So I actually knew... So am, am, am I attempting to defraud the government because I knew it probably wasn't correct and I should have gone for, you know, uh, even though the comps that they had, I could make the argument that, you know, I should have come up fifty, sixty thousand 60,000 to be accurate in my mind to soothe my conscience. <laughs> well, I mean, you but, know... But I mean, I, government, it's this easy. Government should not. Government should not create laws that punish victimless crimes. No. No, because it, it's it's only to punish someone for what? You, you can't even come up with any intent right. to defraud. And you're saying it's not necessary. What you're saying is... He did something you don't like. He did something and essentially created a persona or a uh, a political or uh, fame-based um, version of himself. He lied. And didn't hurt anybody through the lie. Remember, it's not a lie if you believe it. <laughs> but also, what good is a lie if nobody right. believes it? But this is one of those things where I look and I'm like, okay, nobody has touched the constitutionality of it. And so it's like, okay, nobody I trust on constitutional issues has hit the constitutionality of this, especially the part of there is no victim. There's nobody that's been harmed right. uh, here, uh, 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 you know, whatsoever, because it was never about you're not actually you're not actually judging the financial transactions here. Right. You're not judging those as being fraudulent, the actual transaction transactions at all. Right. It's just the bragging about what you have before you actually get to the negotiations, which are the actual contracts. And you and, can't and, even and, demonstrate that it had any influence whatsoever. You're just right. stating that 
you're saying, and here's the thing, without without the, the burden of proof, uh, the burden of showing intent, so they have to have something to demonstrate intent. Without having that burden there, they don't even, they can just state that he was doing it for this purpose. Yet it's not required to show intent. So you don't mm-hmm. even know that, but it doesn't require you to know that. Yeah, the, this, that yeah. That's about as bogus and hollow and empty of a law as you can get. And, and I view as unconstitutional unless I'm missing something here. But there's been so little talk. And you and I, that's some of the things that you and I first, we look at the law like this, go, wait a minute, it's a constitutional. Mm-hmm. I know it's a civil, yeah, but this is a civil law. It's just, I don't care whether it's a civil law. I, I don't believe that civil law should be punishing people and taking away people's property and forcing them to sell their business when uh, they can't prove that people have been harmed. If nobody's right. been harmed in something, now if you can... If you if you lied on the contract, right. the actual contract, and committed fraud, for example, odds are in the contract they're not going to state what do you value the property as. They're going to say you get an assessment from a you know reputable place and you put it down who did the assessment and we'll look at that and then we'll have our own assessor out there to do it. Mm-hmm. You personally isn't going to cut it for me. Right. But unless it's a part of the contract, which nobody is claiming it is, where's you know where's the fraud? You, I guess you could, I guess you could say it's fraud if it was in the contract. But nobody's making that case because that would be criminal fraud at that moment. But still, if you don't have, because of the the fact is, if he did do that in the contract, and he filed bankruptcy. Remember, he did that before. Mm-hmm. He's filed bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. If he was following the same pattern, well, then you could go after him uh, for fraud at that particular point if you filed bankruptcy down the road, even if you were making your payments on that one. If you filed bankruptcy, well, we might have never done the, the this loan if we would have thought he was worth all of this at that point. Right. But that's never happened. Right. Yeah, what a mess. I mean, it it really what is it really is horrible here. And and then the question would be, all right, what about any company that's doing business with a bank, a corporation? Uh you've seen major real estate companies now turn the keys to their properties, commercial real estate, back over to the bank. With everything that's going on right now, the valuation just isn't there. And our debt on this property towers over the valuation. So we don't see any need to fulfill this contract. Now, the bank can take, has recourse. They can go after them. But on a prosecutorial level, the attorney general, you're going to go after businesses that say, sorry, we're going to default on our loan? That happens all the time. And there are, in the private sector, there are repercussions. And that would be, all right, uh, you look like you're in trouble and nobody wants to do business with you anymore. And as a company, as a corporation, your credit rating 
and your rating overall goes down and investors start running away from you. But I'm talking about an attorney general who wants to come after you. When there is no victim. When there is no victim here and you can't demonstrate a victim and say we don't have to have one. Yeah. Or intent. Right. 86690 Red Eye. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carly, and I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up, uh, Matt Gates. We'll see what happens uh, there. Gavin Newsom, uh, choice for senator in California, is not a California resident, but a Maryland resident. <laughs> to properly represent the people of California. <laughs> we'll go all the way across the country. And the insanity of uh, the uh, the border and Biden's border policy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, now you've got the governor of Illinois, the mayor of Chicago, screaming that they need help from the federal government. Sorry, you're not going to get it. You've got Mayor Adams not going to Washington, going to, going but to going Mexico. to Mexico. What do, what do you think you're going to get done in Mexico? Just, I mean, just idiocy, complete idiocy of these people. And Hochul now backing off. The criticism of the federal government because uh-huh. they all have to pretend because that's that's the the talking points now. The border is secure, but there's a humanitarian crisis. Uh-huh. Well, what's a humanitarian crisis? Well, the humanitarian crisis is the migrants that have a humanitarian crisis. Well, why is there? Why do migrants have a humanitarian crisis? What you you've got to connect it so right. they're crossing the border. Right. Uh, Well, some are. Well, then what's going on in New York and Chicago and and Philadelphia with these hundreds of thousands of of migrants coming in and Democrats screaming? Uh, Well, that's the humanitarian crisis, which is caused by what? By a secure border. I mean, this is this is the crap you got to deal with with Democrats right right now. It's like children. Can't say that the border, you know, is not secure. The border is secure. Nobody's getting through, but hundreds of thousands are getting through. But it's a huge problem that we're allowing to get through. Yeah. That's causing a huge problem in these Democratic cities because the border is secure. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, 
We are Red Eye Radio. We is he over there, Eric Harley, me over here, Gary McNamara. Hi. Now, wow. Um, in my 34 years of talk radio this week, I've never read a story like this. We talk about crime, things like that, you know, smash and grabs. Right. Homeless pirates are marauding through crime-ridden San Francisco Bay. We've now got pirates that are stealing boats. Oh, that's been a thing. That's been going on for a while. Stealing boats and then... uh, Drinking rum. (laughs) Buying restaurants and... Silver Spring, Maryland, and having John Taffer come in. No. Mm-hmm. Um, Wearing a patch, these, the whole thing. Uh, homeless pirates are marauding through crime-ridden San Francisco Bay. They're stealing boats, and then they uh, smash and grab houseboats. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a there's been a thing for a while. I think you and I talked about it. I believe it was the Wall Street Journal that did a piece on it. And it was people that were kind of caught between, you know, during the whole COVID thing, they relocated, but then it was, you know, uh, they weren't able to get into a new home. And then they started living on a boat or they just decided to sell everything and live on a boat because they couldn't. There's, you know, Mm -hmm. various reasons why they started living on boats. And it was a very interesting article, but they said, you know, one one of the things you have to do is you have to, you know, protect it like it's your home. It's if it's not in storage, if you have a boat slip, you know, there's some security. But, you know, in this case, the uh, so-called pirates doing smash and grabs because a lot of people might have everything or most of what they own on that boat. Mm hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, the houseboat communities in the Northwest are just unbelievable. I was surprised when, yeah. they, when I saw them it's, the first it's time. Pre- it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, it's not, I, it's I not, yeah, it's not something I, I saw when I lived in New York. It's not yeah. something I, yeah. I've seen in Texas at yeah. all. So. I, I don't think it reminds me of that movie with uh, Jeff Daniels and Clint Eastwood. Oh. Right? Oh, yeah, the one where he gets the heart transplant. Yeah. Oh, I can't think of the name of it. Oh, what a great That's movie. a great movie. That's a great movie. I got to go back and watch that movie. I I think... I think I could probably do it, but that doesn't sound like I want to do it. You know what I mean? I mean, I've heard a lot of people say, oh, no, man, all I want to do is get the right houseboat and then... I, I I'm set. Oh, you know, duh, blood work. Oh yeah, blood work. It is a gr- if you've never oh, seen blood work no, before, you got it. It is a great film with it, a great twist at the it's end. It's a great detective movie. Yes, yes, it is. Uh, and I think I could do it. I mean, you know, it all depends on the property and also where you're at. But it's mm-hmm. it's like the people with van life, you know. If I actually, uh, when I went, uh, it was a Labor Day week, we took vacation. Mm-hmm. 
uh, went on a, a fishing excursion with my brother-in-law. And the deck hand was telling us, he's a retired truck driver. And he was telling us that he and his wife uh, live on a boat there in the Galveston area. And they have for years. He said they used to travel more. Uh, she's uh, dealing with some health issues. And he said they don't travel as much, but they live on their boat full time. Um, I think it would be I think it would be kind of cool. I, I thought about this actually yesterday uh, when I was doing some separate reading about, you know, where everybody right now, it seems like the craze, or at least in my algorithm on Google and YouTube, tiny homes is coming up. Yeah. You know, okay. That's a tool shed. That's not a tiny home. I mean, you technically could live in it, but stop <laughs> saying, you see all these, uh, you know, these, uh, 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 headlines, home depots selling this tiny home, for only eight hundred dollars, it's a tool shed. It's a doghouse. It's not a proper. Well, no. I started thinking, how you know, how low can you go? You know, it's you know those um, mm-hmm. uh, those uh, 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 those toy chests. You know where you put all the toys in. This tiny home is only forty five dollars at Walmart if you can fit in it. Well, I've seen you know, uh, uh, you know when I've seen the the tiny homes, which I don't consider van life. Van life's a, Separate right. entity, but they're right. the real tiny homes out right. there that you know are on wheels. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are being bought by. I'm amazed that when I when I go on YouTube just to look at it, the majority of what I see are women near retirement age that got divorced. Hmm. Yeah, and they want something that's in their budget. Yeah, and well, so they can get you know, and and, and so after the divorce settlement and everything else, okay, it's possible you know you're paying rent anyway in an apartment. Why not get your own place, which is a tiny home, and and you know you don't have a mortgage of three hundred thousand. Well, one of those stories that popped up was this guy <laughs> saying, "My tiny home community, you can you can you can have this tiny home instead of paying high rent. This tiny home is only seven hundred seven hundred per month. By the way, it was in the headline that way. I was, Where's this guy? He's actually about fifteen minutes north of where we sit right now." He's right here in North Texas, oh. and what he did is he's got some private land. Now, he had to fight with the city that he's in in order to get this zone properly, but finally got it set up, and it basically, and they're all on, you know, they're, they're, they are essentially trailers. Mm-hmm. And so they're all set up, and then they have, you know, uh, a deck built on, and it's a tiny home community, and they're packed in. I forget how many... He said he had 15, 20 or something like that in this little tiny home community. And then he just rents them out for 700 bucks a month. And I thought, okay, now we're in tornado alley. We get hail, huge hail. In Mm -hmm. fact, there's some risk of some uh, possible severe weather later this week. And those are the things that I think of, uh, you know, um, all right, what's it going to, it didn't, mention if there's a storm shelter nearby or anything else or you know there may be on the property i don't know but i thought 700 a month i remember one of my kids was actually this goes back eh, maybe 10 8 10 years was paying 700 a month for a two bedroom apartment in a good neighborhood <laughs> no. not anymore not anymore no. 
And, you know, so, yeah, it is people that uh, we actually know a few people that fit the mold of they sold their house when prices were high and now don't want to buy because interest rates are too high. They don't believe they're even their cash will go as far. So they're going to rent for a while. And they started seeing this. In fact, uh, there's been some coverage of this locally on the local news over the last year or so. And that's people buying RVs, larger RVs, but living in an RV for a while. And this one guy that owned this RV park said, I just doubled my my land. I bought the adjacent land, and I'm going to double the number of lots I've got for RVs, spaces. And so that's apparently still going on. It may have ramped up since interest rates have jumped. I don't know. But that's still going on to a certain extent. And I don't, you know, I want to travel. And I I get the idea of being able to wake up with a different view. If, you know, every once in a while you you travel, you take your van or RV, whatever. Uh, My parents did that for a while. Um, And, in fact, for many years, probably about 20 years during their retirement. Uh, Now... It's interesting. I was down in uh, Brazoria County, and I went to one of the uh, county facilities, actually, where they have a, a a boat ramp and the whole thing. And the nice lady there told me, you can actually get an RV company to come out and set up an RV for you to stay in instead of doing an Airbnb in a house or Anything else, they can actually, they'll actually set it up for you so you don't have to pull it. You just show up and it's already set up for you. You know, those kind of things are like the temporary or vacation things. But the trend now, I'm very curious to know what the real trend or demand is for out on the West Coast, people living in boats or people, because Wall Street Journal was making it sound like these are people that really can't afford to live, uh, you know, in a house. They're, they have to really have to live in this boat. And that's the best alternative for them. Otherwise, they're not going to make ends meet. And I wonder how much that is the case right now, where people are renting much smaller, either a room or a much smaller home or a tiny home or a trailer or an RV or any of those things as a result of what's going on with inflation and interest rates. It was about six months ago, and I'm, uh, you know, just on YouTube, and and I just love the, you know, I, I love the, I love watching people live a life that I would never live. Yeah, yeah, and live live different yeah, lives. Yeah, live right. completely yeah. different lives. Because yeah. whenever I, you know, a lot of people I know say, is that what you want to do? You keep watching that. No, I just love to see other people that do it. So I'm watching one of the tiny home things, and it keeps jumping on random to another, you know, somebody else is building a tiny home. I'm looking, I'm going, I know that woman. That woman yeah. has played violin right in front of my face. Mm. And it was uh, Esha Milvana, who was the violinist for Trans-Siberian Orchestra West. Oh, okay. And she lives in Arkansas and has her own little tiny home. And, you know, it's like, I think she's added on more to it, though, from the latest pictures I've seen where it's mm. becoming bigger than a normal tiny home, but she had the tiny home. And then 
like a right next to it uh, uh, a a little studio that yeah. that is like it looks like a huge amp like it, and okay. she's out in the middle yeah. of yeah. she's out in the middle of the woods right yeah. and she lives out there and it's just like wow i mean cuz no more power to you man if you're doing what yeah. you want to do and 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 that's the life you want to live I, I just question whether i would I, I think i could do it i don't know if i have the desire at this point to do it but who knows no. if, if i ever finally retire you know, one of the things that 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 we love to do, my wife and I love to do, um, is go out and into the country. So we know we're going to have a place in the country. We just don't know if it's going to be full time or not. It could be just a respite, you know. Um, thanks to all the billionaires buying up a lot of the the ranch land here in Texas, uh, prices have just gone through, gone through the roof. Uh, it's it's crazy. There's a huge demand for land right now in in Texas. But traveling is what I definitely I love and want to travel more. I don't know that I want to be a nomad full time. Yeah, I don't. Plus, I don't want a tiny pool. If I have a tiny house, I'd have to have a tiny pool. And I don't want a tiny pool. I like a regular size pool. Yeah. <laughs> I like my moat. Yeah. Yeah, and I built my house 16 years ago. I was done. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like I made my decision then. Well, but no, you went through the planning stage, and I know because I was. You were there we were, with we me. We were together. Though. Yeah, that was the planning stage of what you yeah. wanted out of the home, and you know, after after living, you know, um, in in uh, in apartments in, and townhouses, townhouses my whole and life and radio and everything else, you know, town to town, just like know? WKRP. Yeah, I've like, owned homes since uh, my early 20s, so. And bought and sold real estate and rent and rentals and everything else. So for us, it's kind of, I don't know. It's it, it's just we've been doing it for a while. Yeah. I, well, I love the videos. I mean, I will say this though. I'm, I'm the with the uh, with uh, van life, especially the people that are doing it, but constantly contemplating whether they should or not. And my thing is just. Well, go do it for a year, enjoy it, don't question it, and then quit. Well, that's but, it. But you know, stop every single day. They're and then I wonder if I'm doing the right thing. And then the next day, they another video. But they get me to watch. Well, I'm watching the video. I'm clicking. And I, I don't know because I'd like to be close to people. But then I like the nature, and so I think I'll stay in the nature. And maybe I'll do it. The majority end up quitting though after a couple of years. I I love the fact that they're monetizing on YouTube and they're you yeah know, they've got something yes. going on YouTube. And I, I'm encouraged when they take their money from YouTube, clearly taking their money from YouTube, and then they buy other things that are, you know, they, they mm-hmm. increase their wealth in other ways. And a couple of YouTubers that I follow recently bought some fairly decent properties. And one of them, apparently, he's doing, he's buying all this, these rentals, and his mom manages his rentals while he lives in his van and films YouTube stuff, you know? And... Whatever I mean, that's yeah, that's if you, you know if you, if that's the way if, you want to do it. If you can fine. make money doing it, wow! Yeah, yeah. I Go just, for it. I just I can't spend my life emptying black tanks. <laughs> you know, I, I'm sorry. That's really that that's the difference for me. When and I did it for my one of my merit badges in Boy Scouts. Uh-huh. Uh, I did uh, the the entire tertiary water treatment plants. Mm-hmm. I like having modern plumbing, (laughs) I don't want to be emptying my and other people's waste every couple of days. That's why we live in a modern civilization, so we don't have to do that. Yeah, and you don't have to swim in in an outhouse. 
Yes, I, I, right, right. I don't have to don't have to do what was it now? Acid pot, acid pot, pot alcohol, alcohol, and coke, and coke, and then sw- like, let's go swimming ah, in a porta potty. That's where he went wrong. It was the cocaine. It, <laughs> <laughs> it gave him the energy to do it. Right? Couldn't have been the acid, <laughs> yeah, exactly. the LSD. Right? Eight six six ninety red eye. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. You know, at the top of the hour, I went out and I searched and i found the fire alarm <laughs> yeah we've been in, how many years have we have we been in these studios now uh a while and i had to ask you the other day after the bowman's representative bowman story came out in congress i said do we have fire alarms in here and you went yeah yeah so i just went during the top of the hour and found the one the closest one to us and mm-hmm. it's like okay you've got to push in and I think when you push in it, it just it falls apart. Then you just pull down on it. You should go check. <laughs> Find out how it works. <laughs> Tell the fire marshal you were just making sure it worked. <laughs> well, we'd all get out of work for the night, probably, right? It yeah, doesn't. Well, there doesn't would be set that. Off, doesn't set off sprinklers or anything, does it? Uh, no. And Kevin McCarthy would still be Speaker of the House when it's over. So. It's not going to do everything. We'll we'll get to talking about that whole situation. The vacate action from Gates. Some interesting thing when you actually look at what uh, what they were willing to sign. You know, he's actually uh, Gates, uh, the uh, congressional. Uh, what is it? The House Freedom Caucus. Actually, it was their bill that he didn't approve of. Right. So he's really more out on his own. He no, doesn't it, have a lot of allies. Of, it kind of felt like that uh, for, you know, in recent days, because I, I was asking, where, where's Gates' support team? Where are the others? He seems like the lone wolf here. Right. And that's exactly what it is. I was reading an article from our, our uh, colleague, Mark Levin, saying mm-hmm. that What's he complaining about? McCarthy's more conservative than he is. Right. Like, whoa. Mm. Yeah. Inside the Beltway, inside the Republican Party, this is really heated right now. Yeah, it is. We'll get to this coming up. hours a night and still not enough listen to our podcast available on the app and on our website red show.com and i'm gary mcnamara along with eric harley and we want to welcome a new sponsor extended optimum 
Drivers, is your engine or chassis warranty expired? Used truck coverage options are now available from the pros who built your truck. Learn more at extendedoptimum.com. Extendedoptimum.com. We welcome Extended Optimum as a new sponsor here at Red Eye. Uh, all right. The whole Matt Gates situation. Mm. Wanting McCarthy out. Doesn't really have a lot of support with the information that came out of what happened over the weekend. Mm-hmm. And the fact that the bill that McCarthy actually worked on, it all made sense. The articles that I read, piece mailing all the different articles covering it from a variety of different publications. Because Friday he had a 45-day bill that the how the House Freedom Caucus, the conservatives, approved of. Right. And that's where he came to the conclusion that they would only approve something that they knew the Democrats in the Senate would not approve. And then you go from that negotiating point on mm. at, at, at that point. But that did cut, as as we know. Matt Gates was one of four that did not vote for it. But the House Freedom Caucus was behind it. And that's what's caused the problem here. It's what is what is the solution that Matt Gates wants? Right. What what does he want? Does he want to does he wish to shut down government? For an argument you can't win right now. For a debate that you can't win right now. Well, that's it. If you're asking for a unicorn that you know is not going to happen, then what's your point? And why are you alone on this? You know, there, there's the... I get fighting. You, you, we go back to um, Paul Ryan and how many in 2016 after Trump won were calling on Trump. Look, you got to get rid of the Republicans got to get rid of Paul Ryan as speaker. And he wouldn't go back and rework the deal and everything else. And Paul Ryan's street cred as conservative were, you know, was all but gone at that point. And he was becoming very quickly the poster boy for the swamp. But you look at McCarthy here and the question is, all right, is it really going to happen? Are you going to oust McCarthy? Or is this you're just are you just showboating knowing you're not going to get anything done? Because that's what it seems like. He knows what he says is. You know, he'll need some Democrats if he wants to retain his position as speaker. And so he's either gone or he's there and he's working on behalf of a handful of Democrats as well as other Republicans. And then the same that's ma- not going right. to make a massive impact. That's not going to move the needle because you're not you're not really changing anything about what's going on. And that is the political will to stop this enormous spending. Well, when we go back to uh, 20, it was 2015, right? Mm. 2015 when, um, yeah, because it was all going on during the the primary uh, when Paul Ryan uh, became speaker. Mm. And uh, 
you know, Boehner was out. Mm-hmm. Remember, the threat to vacate was there for Boehner. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Paul Ryan became the speaker, and then he would not renegotiate what Boehner had done with the Democrats, and that's when that's when you really saw the blow-up of the swamp. Yeah. That's where it really came from. And it's right. interesting when you think about it in the in 2015 the swamp was republican leaders who wouldn't cut yeah today what's the swamp the concept of deep state mm-hmm. weaponizing it's the actually, doj yeah. and deep state and <clears throat> yeah it's actually completely different mm-hmm. but you and i remember because we covered it and we don't we try not to live in the bubble of today we'd like to have memories <laughs> we like to Keep our memories in in intact. It just helps to put things in context. But that's where we believe Trump. That's where I believe that's when he really took off. Hmm. When he started saying the swamp, and that made him an independent. It really did. I mean, the other stuff that he talked about, you know, had been talked about by Republicans before, mm-hmm. but he was building a coalition of supporters on Make America Great Again, which was an economic, that was an economic, you know, point that he was trying to make and basically looking post-World War II mm-hmm. and what we saw, that type of economic expansion, that was the that was the political rhetoric that he was involved in and very successful because people looked at him and said, okay, he's not a politician, he's a business person, this is a guy that can make things, that that can make things go. And then on the border. He was viewed as being, you know, serious about the, uh, the the border. He was pulling that off. This is early on in his campaign, but he was pulling it off and gaining support. But I think what coalesced everything is when he came up with the swamp. These are the people that will not, you know, they, they, they will not, you know, keep the federal government at what the proper size, you know, should be, which is don't expand it. Don't make it and don't make it where it's a part of every stinking little part of your life. And stop agreeing with Democrats to lead us to bankruptcy. But that was really in the late summer, early fall of 2015. Mm -hmm. Six months later, Trump was, because it was pretty humorous. Six months later, Trump says, okay, let's let's give uh, pennies on the dollar and pay off the debt. Mm -hmm. It's like, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. I remember arguing with people who would call, sure he can. He's a business person. He, he He can make it so you just pay... 50 cents on a dollar for the debt. No, he can't. <laughs> no. No, he can't. And, it would cause right. a global implosion. Right. And and then then Trump sort of dropped that. But we noticed the change at that point in the Republican Party when it came to debt, which really accelerated very quickly between 2015 and 2016. I remember also then Trump was talking about the fact that, well, rates are so low, we should borrow trillions of dollars for infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And we were like, no. And Trump supporters were like, yes. And at that point, we said, okay, there's a faction. There's just not one faction of people that voted for Trump or support Trump even today, mm-hmm. even though there's fewer coalitions than there were back then. But one of the coalitions was an extremely populist coalition, which still exists today. And you can tell it exists today, and that Trump is attempting to cater to it with some some of the things that he's already talked about right. protectionist policies on trade uh subsidizing the things you know that and I remember we got it back when we talked about you know Trump and Lordstown well Trump knows the right things to subsidize and goes no he doesn't 
No, no. he doesn't. Stop no. it. No. And and um, and so, but when you look at it now, when you go back to 2015, there was still a concern of the public about the Republicans about debt, being that you and I have paid so much attention to it. When Gates comes out and says, I'm talking about the debt and we've got to stop this spending, we've got to stop this spending. And we've talked about the House Freedom Caucus. Mm-hmm. But the fact is they were the ones that came up and approved of that bill, which Gates did not approve of. Mm-hmm. And you're like, OK, Gates is on this island alone saying the kind of things that you and I have said in talk radio where you have to get to. But knowing you can't get there now. Right. And then I'm wondering, because when he talks about cutting spending to me, it relates to me, and I know it relates to you. Because the first thing I was talking about 34 years ago was the national debt when I became a talk show host. Mm-hmm. That was topic number one because there were huge protests going on across the country. Clean sweep of Congress. Get these people out. We need to cut the debt. And I believe the debt was less than $4 trillion at that time. Mm. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, and, and so it, it's something that I relate to. But then I started thinking... Is this going anywhere outside the beltway? Does anybody care what well does anybody that, care any Republican really care about Matt Gates? If we and, and I'm not talking about I'm sure there's some people out there listening to the show that do. I'm talking the masses. Are there masses of Republicans and, well, that's, that re- relating that, to what he's saying? That's the problem. And because look, I would love to see this huge groundswell uh of most every Republican you know, whether they're taking on McCarthy or whatever, going full force based on too much debt. But that's not what's happening here. Here's who he has. He has Andy Biggs uh, in terms of Gates and his support. Andy Biggs from Arizona. Eli Crane from Arizona. Bob Good from Virginia. They all said on Monday they'll support Gates' move. Tim Burchett of Tennessee said that while he's still praying about it, he said that my conscience is telling me to vote him out. So you've got a handful of Republicans. That's four, you know, and, and Gates would make five. Right. So and Chip Roy's not even backing him. Well, and, and at and, this point, and there's the bigger problem. And, the bigger problem is, is why don't we have, all the Republicans screaming about the national debt to that point, it's because the rank-and-file Republicans aren't there. Mm -hmm. And that's the most frightening part of all this, is that you and I watched it happen over the last 18 years. Slowly, it started to erode. After, uh, you know, during 2009, the banks got theirs, I want mine. These were people calling us, telling us they were conservative. And then at one point, you know what? I'm a conservative, but we need to look at single payer. All these things where it just, it was like, what universe are we in? When you and I were screaming about, the debt when we first got together and I've been screaming about it for 34 years, but when we did 18 years ago, Matt Gates was 23. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and back then you, it was the rank and file 
everyone was screaming about it. Remember TARP mm-hmm. 1? Yeah. TARP 1 yeah, didn't gosh. get done on the first vote because conservative, rank-and-file conservatives shut the phones down on Capitol Hill. When you said, when you said shut the, <laughs> and it came out phones, I was like, oh, my gosh, he's I'm not so going so glad there, he, he said phones. Oh, so I believe me. I don't know why. I mean, when you said shut the, oh, no. Yeah. And then I heard the. <laughs> yeah. That, the, that the, pH the, the sound. P, yeah. The, the P uh-huh. sounding like uh, an, an F. F. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite concerned. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, but, but it, that's but the you know that's the greater concern here. That's really what scares me is that we only have five. I'm not it, look, Matt Gates or not Matt Gates. It's not about the people. It's the idea of where the rank and file voter, Republican voter, fiscal conservative is right now. Somebody find me a roomful. Somebody find me on Capitol Hill. So many Republicans that are standing up at that stage that they fill the stage and they're pouring off of the stage because there are too many to fit the stage. Where is that? It's been gone for a long time. 86690 Red Eye. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Every time we talk about Matt Gates, so I think about his district, though, which is Florida 1, the western panhandle part. Yeah. Uh, Pensacola, Fort Walton Beach, Destin, mm-hmm. uh, Crestview, Milton. Uh, I think his office is in Crestview. Mm-hmm. But I used to be I used to travel to all the time because my boss lived there. But uh, uh, every time I think of Matt Gates, I think of me living in Navarre, Florida. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah. and how long it's been since I've been back. And, yeah. and uh, I haven't been back since 88. Mm. And I know it's changed tremendously, but I got to get back. I loved when at my time in Florida, but yeah. uh, you know that that's the district. If now see if if uh, if he's forced out, you heard about that with the ethics thing. Mm-hmm. Then maybe they could appoint me, and I'd have my office in Navarre. Yeah, on Navarre Beach. Yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> I'd set up a beach tent. That would be my office. There you go. Or one of the condos right there, because mm-hmm. the, they don't have a lot of condos, but they've got some real nice ones. Like I said, they're right next, right next to the the huge fishing pier that they have there, which right. I believe is the biggest on the Gulf. Right, their fishing pier. Well, if Gavin Newsom can appoint someone from Maryland, then I'm I'm sure that right. in Florida they can appoint someone from Texas. That's Gary from Texas. Yes, <laughs> he's been to Florida before. Yeah. Okay, he's qualified. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio 
Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. And he is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. You get the idea that in the last week or so, Democrats have really started panicking about the border? Yeah. That here we are 13 months out from the election, and all of a sudden they're really worried. You and I were listening to some audio. I was listening to MSNBC and and uh, Morning Joe, who, by the way, used to uh, be the representative for Florida 1, Matt mm-hmm. Gates' district. Mm-hmm. Um and, uh, you know, he was stating that, you know, they've got to do something. I mean, they just they can't sit there and say we're going to Central America. That's long term. They need to solve the problem at the border now. And even implied that, you know, when it comes to security and everything else, the Republicans will help you there. But yeah. I've just noticed this panic, it seems like, in the media over the last couple of days. I want to play this. Uh, this uh, was uh, from Sunday on Face a Nation. Okay, with uh, Margaret Brennan and uh, uh, Kevin McCarthy. Okay, just listen right. to the back and forth here. Listen, listen how she. Well, just I'll play it. We'll comment after. Here we go. Uh, are we going to be staring down another shutdown? Another well, it all comes to the Senate. The Senate hasn't done one thing. But in the House, are we going to be facing another shutdown November 17th? No, because the House is doing their work. We've already done more than 70 percent of it. So compare this to the Senate. The Senate hasn't passed one bill. The Senate didn't pass anything about the shutdown. The Senate hasn't passed anything about securing the border. The Senate hasn't passed anything about the $100 hasn't passed a barrel. anything about the border that could actually become Yes, law. we have. No. Not that could become law. That's your opinion. The House is its own body. The Senate is its own body. We're not going to surrender to the Senate. We pass what the American people want. Mm -hmm. I will tell you each and every day, and don't take my word for it, you're going to have the governor of New York on it who told people to go somewhere else. The New York City mayor literally says it's destroying a a city. No, let me answer answer your question since you said we wouldn't do something. Do you know the governor of Massachusetts has declared a state of emergency? This is one of the number one crisis as far from the board as you can see this but you can hear her it doesn't matter that the senate hasn't done anything he goes well the house has passed it with the house has passed our legislation on it well not anything that can become law well no because we're our own body we passed it you said we're not doing we're doing it now the senate needs to do it right and when the senate needs to do it then we'll go to conference right It's like, no, the entire responsibility. Why aren't you, why aren't you signing it into law yourself? <laughs> I mean, it's, just, it's just amazing. It's just, but you can tell they're, 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 they're panicking. And then when Clinton decided to get involved in it mm. on, the, on the migrants in, uh, in, uh, in New York, mm-hmm. uh, you know, get them jobs, get them work permits, have them pay taxes, whatever, mm-hmm. you know. When Bill got involved in it, you're like, okay, he knows what a disaster this is for the Republicans. But then Hochul backs off. I'm blaming Democrats. The what? You said for Republicans, it's a disaster for Democrats. For Democrats, yeah, a disaster for Democrats. Mm -hmm. Then then Hochul comes out and uh, all of a sudden backs off. I'm blaming the administration. And then Adams, I'm going to go to Mexico. Mexico? The problem is all created from the White House. Right. The White House caused 
this crisis. They don't wish to solve it. And then when they start talking about when I was you and I were listening to the the uh, the the uh, the the morning Joe, where he actually said Biden's accomplished so much more on the border than Trump has with his fake wall. What the hell are you talking about? (laughs) I mean, what type of I mean, what type of delusion? And then it's like, but it's time for the 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 uh, the 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 Democrats. Uh, you know, and it's time for Congress to get there and talk about border security and talk about more judges and talk. Well, Republicans aren't holding that up. Right. If you went to Republicans and you said on the border, what do we want to do? We want to ensure we 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 as Congress. We, number one, we reiterate. If you want to file asylum. You stay in your own country except for a few exceptions that you must prove at the border. Something that is so well known to us. Oppression in some countries, something like that, that happens at that moment. But not economic. We don't do what we're doing now. Asylum in Mexico. You don't get to do it here. And if you come here, we turn you back. Yep. Now we're going to hire a thousand more Asylum judges. Mm-hmm. We're going to hire a hundred thousand more, <laughs> a million more, uh, fifty million more border patrol agents. One trillion more border patrol <laughs> agents. <laughs> okay, maybe we might go too far on that. Uh-huh. We're going to build a human wall, <laughs> a human chain. But Republicans aren't stopping you from security at the border. The administration is. And they know it. They know it, Eric. Yeah. They know yeah. it. Yeah, this is. And so they do. The only thing they've been able to do all along is blame Republicans when this is not about Republicans. This is not about you can look at everything going on right now. All of the every bit of this that's on the table was a choice by the American people and led by the Democratic Party. That's where we are. The border's broken because Joe Biden broke it. This is happening because Joe Biden did it. And Democrats, you know. Hochul knows. Bill Clinton knows. They're all panicking for a reason. This is not going to be fixed without this administration doing something drastic. And I mean 180 degrees from what they started with. And let's, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Scarborough, let's stop pretending to be stupid. Hmm. This is happening because it's what Democrats want. Yep. Democrats want this chaos. They created it. They could stop it. So don't sit there and say that they need to reach across the aisle or do anything like that. No. That's, or that the Republicans need to reach across to 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 them. Any of the solutions to this problem can be stopped by the president because he created it. And if the situation has gotten worse because he created it, then he should ask Congress to pass a law to do everything possible to stop it, and he should be the leader of it. Yep. If he made a mistake, 
If he wishes to come out and say, I made a mistake, we shouldn't have done this, but we need this, 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 That's this, what this. it's going to require. Yes. He's going to basically, even if he doesn't say it, he's going to have to even indirectly admit that everything he did was wrong. Right. And we're talking about Joe Biden, and they know that's not going to happen. And you, and you go on, you go on television, you hold a major address on the border, and you say we must have security first. We want more judges. We want more. We want more security. We want the holes in the border to be closed. Mm-hmm. And we are not going to let just anybody who claims asylum into the United States. That's not going to happen. Here are the parameters. I believe, knowing what the Republicans have voted for uh, for before, they will vote for it. And I hope that we get Democrats to understand that we need to do this because your fellow Democrats are screaming in Democrat cities because the problem is just too great. We would like to allow everybody to come into the country. We can't do it. Nope. It's impossible. It's a nice theoretical uh, discussion to have. But practically speaking, it doesn't work. And Democrats know it doesn't work. But he's not going to do that because he wants what's going on at the border. The president wants the insanity and the chaos of Chicago, of New York. He wants it to be there. Otherwise, he would stop it. Yeah, there's no will by this this administration to do anything about it. It won't change as long as Joe Biden is in office. No. That's a fact. It's what he wants. Yep. And there's no way to gloss over this whole scenario of what's going on in major cities. There's not. From immigration to lawlessness to people basically fleeing California and San Francisco. My gosh. And here it is yesterday. Democratic Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker on Monday called on President Biden to take swift action to address the federal government's lack of intervention and coordination at the southern border. Pritzker in a letter Demanding federal assistance says the influx of migrants has created an untenable situation for Illinois. Unfortunately, the welcome uh, and aid Illinois has been providing to these asylum seekers has not been matched with support by the federal government. Most critically, the federal government's lack of intervention and coordination at the border has created an untenable situation for Illinois. Some 15,000 migrants have sapped Illinois of resources in the 13 months since the arrival of the first bus of asylum seekers from Texas, Pritzker claimed. Pritzker noted that his state has spent more than $330 million to provide humanitarian aid for migrants, on top of more than $100 million contributed by the city of Chicago, but is struggling to handle the influx of asylum seekers. The You saw that they're at O'Hare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Areas of O'Hare that they've now that uh, the migrants are staying in. 
Though we have found temporary housing in existing buildings for a majority of refugees, we are challenged to find additional housing for the continuous flow of people who keep coming and are now forced to sleep in police stations and on sidewalks and in airports. The situation is untenable and requires your immediate help beyond the coming work or authorization for some of the asylum seekers. And what are we, uh, nine, ten months away from the DNC, from the big convention there in Chicago? In Chicago, yeah, yeah. This isn't going to turn around because this administration will do nothing about what's going on in New York or Chicago. And in order to get the money from Congress to stop it, Republicans will want security at the border. Right. They're not going to get it. They're not going to get it. Republicans are not going to agree. This is not going to, to turn around. We're going to keep the open borders going, and we must yep. support, the federal government must support the decisions of these sanctuary cities that said, welcome, please come here. You saw the side-by-side with Hochul. Mm-hmm. That, uh, that I saw online yesterday, side-by-side side from her from two years ago. Yeah. Come one, come all, everybody, come here. Come to our land. Come to our state. Sorry, there's no room. We don't have any room. And it's only going to get worse between now and Election Day next year. 86690 red eye Brought to you by Hotshot Secret. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on roadside inspections. Once a roadside inspection is completed, the officer will close it out, which involves the officer writing or typing up the report. The more the officer found during the inspection, the longer this will take. If violations were discovered, most officers, as a courtesy, will explain the violations to the driver. If there were any out-of-service violations, the officer will normally explain what must be done to get the out-of-service order lifted. Drivers need to be very attentive during this part of the inspection. The driver also needs to read and understand the complete inspection report. After receiving the inspection report, the driver has 24 hours to get the roadside inspection report to the motor carrier. If the driver will not be returning to a company facility within the next 24 hours, the driver needs to know to get it on the way to you via email, mail, or fax within 24 hours. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller & Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's for that radio. He's Eric Carly, and I'm Gary McNamara. Who will be the next uh, special guest, or should I say witness, at the next impeachment inquiry? Details coming up following the bottom of the hour. Hmm. We'll tell you who they're looking at. All right. That'll be interesting. I will watch that. Hmm. Well, I watch it anyway, but that I will definitely watch this testimony. Uh just a poll that was taken on something that we talked about yesterday. RFK Jr. running as an independent would help former President Donald Trump and hurt Biden in the general election, mm. a, a recent Echelon Insight survey found. A uh, preview of the survey shows Trump leading Biden in head-to-head presidential ma- matchup, uh, 46 to 43, a three-point lead. That's in one poll. In uh that scenario, 
remain unsure of who they would vote for. However, with Kennedy running as an independent candidate, Trump's lead over Biden expands by one point. Mm. Yeah, that's all on the margin of error. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to give this too much credibility. At yeah, this point. yeah. His uh, lead over Biden expands to one point, growing to four points, 40% to Biden's 36. Kennedy garners 14% support. In that scenario, 10% remain unsure, which means he's pulling both from Biden and Trump. Uh, We kind of broke it down, and that was kind of my assessment yesterday. I could see that. Yeah, maybe more from Biden, Mm -hmm. but still pulling some from Trump, so. And four going from three to four is all within the margin of error. So yeah, that doesn't. Now and again, though, it's thirteen months out. He hasn't announced as an independent. You know, I I can remember. Remember, I I'm old enough to remember mm-hmm. <laughs> since this is my thirty fourth year mm-hmm. uh, when Perot had the lead in the polls mm-hmm. as an independent. Right until he went a little cuckoo. He left, and he then he, he came dro- back. He dropped out, and then he came back again. It was like, you can't do that. No. He, had, he had the lead. I'll never forget that. It was like, mm-hmm. wow. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. and, you know, look, um, who knows where independence will be by November of 24? You know, it's only 13 months away, but it's only, it seems like it it's a century. Like there are so yeah. many things that could happen between now and in November of next year. I I don't see much changing in the GOP primary. I, I just don't know what would change the numbers in the GOP primary. So if it doesn't change, well, then Trump is the nominee. And if Biden is not going to step down, then he's the guy on the left. You know, Cornell West, I don't know. I don't know how much how much he gets. But then, well, he would be the true socialist. Well, but <laughs> I it still is. How do you you know? How do you motivate? How do you get motivated with? I don't think he's the guy. If you had Bernie in that position, also a true socialist, you know, Bernie has that broader appeal that Cornell West doesn't have. I agree. And, you know, Cornell West is a an activist. And it's just the way it is. Bernie has run and uh, has won for many years elections. Well, the other thing, too, is I'm not saying that Cornell West couldn't pull in a percent vote. No, but he, might pull, he, he really might doesn't. One. He really doesn't have any name recognition. No, no, None. he doesn't. He doesn't. We know who he is. Yeah, I just people don't inside think the Beltway does. Average person has no idea right. who Cornell West is. Right. You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. 
Dum, 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 dum. Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carly, and I'm Gary McNamara. Probably you don't want to hear me singing. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Could we play a Taylor Swift song? Uh, no. I'd rather hear the fire alarm. All right, I, I just have to do this because we had mentioned it earlier. Fire alarm. <laughs> Who was it that said it was louder than ACDC? I heard that on a news report. It was, quote, louder than ACDC, end quote. I don't think so. I've been to several ACDC shows. Yes. Never once heard a fire alarm during that show that drowned out the band. Not even once. <laughs> Case dismissed. Well, <laughs> for the great people of New York City, please listen up. One of the reasons you should not vote for Mayor Adams again. Mm-hmm. Mayor Eric Adams is heading to Central and South America this week to convince migrants not to come to New York City. To get to build a wall? What's he doing? You know, you were right earlier. These are children. They're, I mean, they're, it's, they're, it's, they're, what's we're dealing, gonna, what's we're dealing with children. His hands up and go, stop! Yeah. Stop! Stop it! And where exactly are you going to go to in Central and South America? I mean, what, what are we going to hold a, a rally? Or I mean, what are you going to do? Who are you going right, to talk to? Right. I mean, City Hall announced <laughs> the mayor's international trip on Monday, billing the four-day journey... <laughs> as a chance to foster relations with local leaders in migrant hotspots and learn more about the path of asylum seekers. Those local leaders want their people to come here. You know why? Because they send, on the average, about 65 to 75% of their earnings back to their economy. (laughs) They love the fact that they're coming here. <laughs> okay. You think you're going to go down there alone and stop it? I, I love My gosh, I just, sometimes this job is just so much fun just by how people write things. City announced the mayor's international trip on, on Monday, billing the four-day journey as a chance to foster relations with local leaders in migrant hotspots and learn more about the path of asylum seekers. On his final day, Adams will go to Bogota, Colombia, Uh, where many asylum seekers pass through on their way north. But sources with knowledge of the trip told the Post that its underlying goal is to use local news coverage as a media blitz to talk migrants out of coming to New York City. (laughs) So you're taking your xenophobia there? Wow, how dare you? You're taking your xenophobia to Central America? By the way, the... The reason I'm accusing uh, them of xenophobia is by the Democrat standard of what xenophobia is. Right. By how they judge Republicans mm-hmm. with things on the border. So mm-hmm. that's all. I I am not calling him a xenophobe. Right. By the, their the, own the, the Democrats are by their own definition. <laughs> Just love it. But sources with knowledge of the trip told the Post that its underlying goal is to use local news coverage as a media blitz to talk migrants out of coming to New York City. Why, you racist xenophobes? <laughs> yeah. That's going to work, by the way. Oh, I yeah. don't know why someone hasn't thought of this sooner. 
Wait, I've got an idea. Didn't Harris do it once? She did. Remember? It I didn't was work. just about to say. She said, don't come. Remember? Don't come here. Just, just stop. Would you stop? Just stop. Please stop. I mean, it's insane. We, and we all, the thing is, this is actually, Adam's doing that is just another form of gaslighting. No, it is. Because we right. all, that's why we laugh at it. Mm-hmm. Because it's not going to do anything. Why? Because Pritzker, uh, 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 Adams, mm-hmm. the new mayor of New York, of, of Chicago, just out of, just jumped out of my mind there. The mayor of Chicago, Brandon, Brandon. That's right. Mm-hmm. Let's go, Brandon. <laughs> 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 Why don't Brandon and Brandon get together? The, the, uh, the <laughs> Lo, Lo, Los Angeles, the mayor of Los Angeles, the governor of California, the uh, governor of Arizona. Mm-hmm. The mayor of Dallas is no longer welcome. But man, mayor of Dallas in, is no longer in welcome. that group. But but <laughs> everywhere else, you all need to go to the White House. You know, Adams <laughs> going to the White House. Now, here's the thing. He didn't, he, if you don't have, if they're not going to open the doors for you, what's he going to do? Stand out at the gate. Hey, hello. Can you let me in? We will not have a wall at the border. We're going to have an open border. Because but we have a wall for any Democratic governors or mayors that wish to come to the White House. You're not going to get through this gate to see the president. Can you imagine a few years ago, Mayor Adams going down to Del Rio under the International Bridge? Wow. Hey, hey, turn around. I mean, it's that stupid. It's that insane. It's it's that stupid. It's just stupid. These are children, and he knows what he needs to do is appeal to the White House. Now, he did try. We'll say that. But they sent a representative there to say, um, no. Not Biden. Biden would not respond to him. But he decided that, you know, we'll send somebody to New York City to tell him, yeah, we're not doing anything about it. Oh, yeah. The White, the, the, the White House made the message was clear. Yeah. Look, you have to pretend that there's a humanitarian crisis, but nothing that relates to the border. Right. You simply say we need comprehensive immigration reform. We have a... A humanitarian crisis, but the border is secure. And now I'm going to go down and pretend I'm doing something in Central America, just like Vice President Harris did. Now, do you think he'll take the approach that I take, like with my my grandchildren, where they're at the house and I don't want to share my cheesecake? And I go, "Ooh, it's horrible. You wouldn't want any of it. He'll go down to Central America and go, "Ooh, New York City, it's horrible. Ooh, horrible place to live. You don't want to go there. Oh, Trust me, you don't want no, to go there. Adam's going to reverse what he yeah. was doing a year and a half yeah. ago. Ugh. He's going to say, yeah. you don't, you, please, nobody wishes to come to New York. Yeah. You don't want to come to New York. Anybody in the United States doesn't want no, to come to New York. Wants, no. Go to Texas and Florida. Those yeah. are the places to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you just don't believe the hype. It's horrible. It's horrible. Yeah. Oh, it's the big rotten apple is what it is. After it's he, just horrible. After he put up all those billboards in yeah. in Florida saying, come back to New York. Exactly. <laughs> Where we loves you. Exactly. Come back to New York. Mm-hmm. I love New York. Love is love, New York. That's right.
He's wearing a I, I hate New York shirt while he's in Central. It's got the heart, but it's got a circle around it and a line drawn through it. Oh, you don't want to. No. That's exactly what I do with my grandkids when I don't want to share my cheesecake. You won't like this cheesecake. It's got chocolate all over it. You don't want to come to New York. Our football teams suck, and they're not even from New York. They're, they're from not Jersey. from New York. You don't want to do that. And the Ooh. Knicks. Ah! Yeah, worst pizza in the world. It's horrible. <laughs> It's horrible. You just don't want to be. Trust me, you don't want to be there. You don't want to be there. They'll start. They'll start running commercials down there. I hate New York. Remember the those yeah. commercials? You know a great place. Love- so he's passing out pamphlets. San Francisco. Move to San Francisco. <laughs> hey, listen. This is where this. You need to go here. There's plenty of room. Because people are moving out oh. in, 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 by the millions, and there's plenty of room. San Francisco, you'll love it. <laughs> City by the Bay. So much better than New York. Trust me, I know. <laughs> I mean, we're dealing with children. We really are. It's just amazing. No one's going to say it. Hochul almost said it. Almost said it. Mr. President, you need to fix the border. You need to make sure that this stops and stops now. Our cities are suffering because of your policy at the border. You need to turn this around. Can't do it. They have to. They put, can't. They have. They have to. No way. They're going to do they, that. They've got to follow. They've got to follow the talking yep. points, which yep. is uh, the border is secure. Yep. There's a humanitarian crisis, uh-huh. which isn't related be- to the border because it's a secure border. But we need to take care of the humanitarian crisis and total and complete immigration reform to stop what's going on at the secure border. And Chicago. So, think- am I wrong? Those are the no, talking that's points. It. That's it. Think about Chicago. Oh, you know where there's plenty of room, where it's never crowded? O'Hare. It's never crowded there. We got plenty of room. Wow. Then you have this story. The leaders of a suburban New York county are pointing fingers at New York City Mayor Eric Adams after 31 migrants were discovered crammed into a single-family home Mm -hmm. in a quiet residential neighborhood earlier this month. The undocumented immigrants who reportedly traveled to the U.S. from Ecuador and Guatemala were found sharing a 1,500-foot square or 1,500-square-foot home in New City, a hamlet in Clarkstown, Rockland County. Investigators reportedly followed a tip and obtained a warrant to inspect the home, discovering more than 30 migrants living in unsafe conditions. Local officials said children were sleeping in close quarters. On bare mattresses in an unfinished basement, the attic and the garage uh, where extension cords and a microwave were also found. Photos released by the county show a large Guatemalan flag hanging on the wall of one of the bedrooms in a press briefing last week. The county supervisor characterized the three-bedroom home as a migrant flop house, describing it as unfortunate result of the humanitarian and national security crisis that's been sent to our doorsteps. We've never seen a situation so dire. Well, We've- welcome to being a border town because every town is a border town now. By the way, this has been going on for many years. 
and border towns across America. This has been going on for a long, long time. This is not unique. It is quite unfortunate. It can be fixed. This is all a choice. Every bit of it. It's a choice. Yeah, it's what I mean, and that's the thing. It, you the the gaslighting. We call it gaslighting because the Biden administration wants exactly what is going on yep. now yep. to be going on. Yep. They don't wish to stop it, right? And because, there's no political will, right, within his own party to turn this thing I mean, around. Does any Democrat really disagree with that, or do we all know that? We all know that. We all know you, this is what the administration wants. You know that. You have because to there's know. no way that he couldn't go. To the Republicans, and as we stated earlier, and say, this stops now. We want money for this. Put together a bill that I want Democrats to sign. Republicans, I know you'll sign this because it's everything that you want to secure the border. And then we'll talk about comprehensive immigration reform and what we do with amnesty. But first, we lock down the border. Yep. Is any Republican going to vote against that if they can, if they write the legislation? They'll get it done. They'll get it done. He doesn't wish to get it done. He doesn't want it. To be done. 86690 Red Eye. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. Uh, he's our crony, and I'm Gary McNamara. We've been pulling fire alarms all night and having fun. Uh, but just because we're trying to accomplish things, that's why we pulled the fire alarm. Yeah, it's it's how we start our day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that and some ACDC and some coffee. <laughs> nice cup of coffee and pulling a fire alarm. What yeah. a way to what a way to start the day. All right. Yeah. Uh, coming up uh, following uh, the top of the hour, who the Oversight Committee is thinking of calling next as the next impeachment inquiry witness. Is it Prince Harry? <laughs> no, they don't. They <laughs> don't. Taylor Swift. They, they, <laughs> is it Taylor Swift? I'm going to say we said Prince Harry. I go, no, they don't want somebody who's an expert on doing podcasts. You know what? If they <laughs> called Taylor Swift. A lot of people would pay more attention to the impeachment inquiry. <laughs> we know the media would. Wait a minute. I, I, that's I, I'm on to something. Wow, that's how to do it? Yeah. That, that's get, how to get him. Yeah. Have Taylor Swift come in. Bring Taylor Swift for anything you're doing. Exactly. Republicans, come on. We're holding a hearing on the border. Our first witness, well, she won't be a witness, but... She is going to sing the national anthem beforehand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Here's Taylor Swift. Oh. <laughs> yeah, at what least a, the mainstream media would be there. What a mad, mad world. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood. 
Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.